Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hi, and welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian rollerblading podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch, and in this episode, I just wanted to draw attention to this amazing content that um, Sesamora has been putting up on his Instagram for the last few months. You can find him at um, at C-E-S-A-R-M-O-R-A dot 10, Sesamora dot 10 on Instagram. And um, there's a bunch of stuff, cars, shoes, tats, workout photos, and then there'll be a row of different old photos of skating, and then you know, that one row of three photos will be three cool photos, um, often with then one sort of article um, uh, that um, you know that sort of talks about um, the, these sort of things. You know, all uh, you know, like the same thing across the uh, the three. You know, so it's, it's like a little blog article with three photos attached to the article, essentially, and and um, you know, so when I saw this and started reading them and enjoying them, um, I just messaged him and commented saying, man, this stuff's great. Um, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And so we're trying to line that up. So stay tuned for um, Sessa coming on the podcast. Um, but I also thought it would just be worth actually kind of sharing this content because it's just such good content. Um, and, uh, you know, and getting it out in a different format. So um, hopefully... You know, Sessa's cool with this. Um, if not, obviously I can pull it down. But look, it's it's all coming from um, sessamora.10 on Instagram. Uh, so I'll go back as far as June the 25th. There's a layback mute tweak at the Monster Skate Park, Sydney Olympic Park. And he writes, this air isn't as easy as it looks. It's as hard to keep straight and not turn. The idea is to come straight up, grab, mute, knees to chest, everything facing the platform, and then tweak it and lay your body back start to almost turn, almost like a late turn. Um, and then uh, he also has as part of that same row, a Rocket Air Monster Skate Park, Sydney Olympic Park. You know the deal here. Use your yoga skills and straighten your legs. Grab right hand, left boot, and hold as long as you can. The hard part here is to keep straight, facing the platform and not turning. Throwing your head up is an added bonus degree of stupidity. I mean, difficulty because it makes you take your eyes off the ramp and harder to spot your landing as you come back in. My Italian friend with good rockets, keep your eyes open. Ha ha. So um, that's that's the first row, and then there's cars and architecture and bags and six-packs and jackets and shoes for a while. So you skim past all of that unless you're into that kind of thing. And then uh, I've got some cartoon photos here. This was the video game that created by Rage back in 2001 or 2002. I think I worked with them for three years to create a base, locations, skaters, etc. Came out on Xbox first, then PS2. First they came to me and wanted to call it Sesamora Rolling. Then time went by and it was going to be mine and Fabio's game. Then 9-11 happened and travelling to the UK to do motion capture became more difficult because of terrorism around the world. Then the sport changed a little and street was quite prominent, so John, John Julio was the cover. 
I think they did several different covers. John was perfect for the game and to represent our sport in what I think was going to be the first inline game. There were lots of issues finishing the game and companies changed hands. New money backers came in and bought the game out and changed out contracts and eventually the game was completed and released. For time, it was a good game, although if you see it now, it doesn't compare to the new graphics and the way a game plays. It was fun to do and definitely a learning experience on how to deal with huge contracts and agents and intellectual property rights, etc. But anyway, there it is. Skaters immortalised in video game format. Um, so it's talking about the rolling game. There's a couple of photos, both um, graphics as well as the, the front cover for that. Then more abs and architecture and whatever else. And then we have a photo of this big front side, the skate park. You guys aren't ready for this, Obsessor writes. Yes, me, street skating back in the day. Street skating, not vert skating. <laughs> I did some ASA street contests early on and around 93, 94. I used to destroy myself on rails all around Sydney. Notice the terror on my face. It was real. The struggle was real and so were the scars. Luckily, I found my calling on the vert ramp and never looked back. I enjoyed filming and watching my fellow street maniacs do their thing, but I didn't feel the need to join in. I was more comfortable cheering them on. So please feel comfortable in having a laugh and enjoy the styles of these rare pics of me skating street. I doubt there's many more out there. I'm like a snow leopard, a rare sighting. And then this photo, he says, is from the ASA Miami in 96. So this is July 5 now. And it's got the yellow cuffed. Uh, Roach's skates there. Um, so it's priceless stuff, right? This is snow leopard <laughs> material. Um, another one, like an underside thing again, of uh, front side. Um, uh, and then yet another one, but a handrail around Sydney somewhere. So um, uh, he says about this, the photo of the handrail in Sydney, I'm pretty sure this photo was taken by Matt Lockman. Um yeah, so, so that's then the next row, which is a fun, you see this really great little insights and just fleshes out the stories and, and all this kind of stuff in, in curious ways. More shoes, more architecture, more drawing. Uh, and then we've got, <laughs> is this, wow, this is like Ato and Takeshi giving the bird along with Sessa. Uh, but they're like 10 years old and 12 years old. Uh, <laughs> he says in the photo, teaching the Sushi Brothers how to say hello in American, they're given the finger. I don't think the dad was too impressed, but look how cute they were, so small. This was the Nis Finals 95, Venice Beach, California. Still love those two, and who would have guessed they were going to grow up to be killers on the ramp? Um, and then actually in the thread, Ato Yasutoko comments and says, I'm so lucky that I met you, Sessa, when I was 12. Uh, that why we still love vert ramp and skating. You are my hero forever. Um, uh, you know what's, what's the, the kind of um, uh, the, oh man? What's my book of mental blank? You know what's the finger sign? We have the little finger and the thumb. Um, anyway, that um, that sign. Um, uh, yeah, does Takeshi comment as well? No. Um, and then. Unlike some of the other posts, he's in this row he's got different photos and different little articles. And so the next one in this row from July 13 is a, a Roaches um, ad campaign. Um, and here he says, Team Roaches far right is Ivan Galliardo, a crazy guy from Switzerland. Funny guy. First ASA event, Chicago 95. He did his last run on the vert naked with just a sock on his thing. That's a bit red hot chili peppers, eh? Tom Fry, who won the 95X Games, Australian pioneer. Arlo Eisenberg, um, 
who we'll do a little write-up about soon, very interesting character, than me. Um, and under me is the Viking legend Rene Holgreen, who I've posted about previously, and under him is English lad Jess Direnforth, photographer and skater who originally went over to the States riding BMX professionally. Great team, great skates, great memories. I had five wonderful years with Roaches after my first year in 95. I had many offers from other skate companies, but I chose to stay with Roaches. I skated for free the first year. I just loved the skates at the time and the team. I worked closely with Roaches Australia to bring out young future skaters. I always did my best to promote them and support them. But in 99, I felt things were stagnant. I didn't like the fifth element snowboard boot style skates. There were other things I also felt weren't being progressed enough. And sometimes we need to change an environment. So I made the move, which didn't sit well with a lot of people. Some people loved it and understood. Some people didn't understand why I moved to K2, which made street skates, and wondered if I could ride them on vert which made a few changes to the skates. So we made a few changes to the skates, and they were fine, and I did some of my best skating on them. Not really because of the skates. It just so happened that I was doing my best skating around that time. I mean, Salerno won world titles on feeler skates, so, you know, if you can skate, you can skate on any skates. I've always loved the Majestics, so when I finished up with K2, I got back onto them and still use them till this day, if I ever skate. Ha <laughs> ha. Now, that's the thing that comes up a bit, isn't it, from people that, um, you know, we can get all obsessed about skate technology and the perfect skate, but then some of the greatest skaters can say, well, in the end, if you can skate, you can skate. And, and so it's this balance, isn't it, between um, skates you you really love. Because in the end, he says, if you can skate, you can skate, doesn't he? But he also said, I didn't like the snow boot roaches, and so I changed to K2. So, you know, that is what that is. Um, uh then we've got another photo, again from July 13, and here it says, The day I met the King of Vert, Chris Edwards, he was on tour in Australia promoting his birth clothing range. It was 1994, and I'd only ever seen him in videos and magazines. He was shorter than I expected. Um, everyone was excited. This was at Bondi Beach Vert Ramp. On this day, I was actually filing in the city for Power Rangers movie. Me, Scott Crawford, Cal Mulvey, Garfield, and I can't remember who else were the stunt doubles for the Power Rangers. So all the skate scenes in the movie were done by us. We actually just left the film set for a few hours without telling anyone and went to Bondi to watch Chris skate and hopefully skate with him. It was a fun day, and watching Chris skate in person was surreal. He skates with weight and moved the ramp the way he fully tucked when he did spins and twists. His full commitment to his tricks and airs, the ultimate showman, he talked and joked with everyone. Little did I know that a few months later I was going to be skating head-to-head against him in the 95 X Games. So all in all, it was a great day and we got paid to shoot a movie and we skated with the legend. <laughs> it's a cool photo there too. Um, all right, so then that that's a pretty good run. It's just such good stuff, isn't it? It's just hiding in here on Instagram. Um, here we go, more stuff down at uh, Bondi. Uh, this is now from July 16. 1995, kickback air, Chris Edwards style. Yet another boring, beautiful summer beach day on Bondi Vert. No helmet. This is how I started skating. and ride with no helmet for a couple of years until I went to America, and I couldn't even step on the ramp with no helmet. Then I reluctantly started becoming a role model and was seeing kids not wear helmets and say they weren't wearing them because Sessa doesn't wear one, and a real thing that hit home was a young California skater called Baba Siada. Good skater, and at Venice Beach on the warm-ups, one day he said, Sessa, check this out, and he did a backflip to impress me and whipped over too hard and missed his feet and smacked his head hard and got knocked out. Ambulance came and thankfully he was okay, but if he wasn't wearing his helmet, it would have been a lot worse. 
Over the years, we got to understand that Babasiata had a close relationship with ambulances and hospitals. Poor kid was so injury prone, so I started wearing my helmet whenever I rode the ramp. I hated it. It was uncomfortable and sweaty, but I had to do it. It actually saved my head at least three times over the years. So there you go. Moral to the story about safety equipment. Um, another photo here. Wow, 94 stretch air Bondi vert ramp on another beautiful sunny day. And yes, that's a ponytail and a flyaway helmet. <laughs> that's an air you don't see anymore. Gosh, that just that whole thing is just so 90s. <laughs> and then this is a great one. Um, the contortus air. That's an amazing air that you don't see and we need to see more of. Circa 95, 96, Bondi Vert Ramp, Contortus Air on Kite Day down at the beach. Sun, a bit of a crowd, and just skate all day. Miss all those days on those yellow skates. Um, cool. So then backpacks and shoes and weird, um, uh, what's his name? The, the Geiger, Geiger drawings and chairs and aliens and... Here we go, and now another ramp. Uh, Sessamore 10, 93, 94, Pancake, Rip Shirt, Air to Fakie. Heffron Park ramp. Time for some reminiscing and, yes, laughter. This was a very early period in my skate life where I was getting into vert. I tried learning at Bondi Mini and vert, but the kids there were ruthless, young, and very good. I was a bit older and came from soccer and had a less acceptable style. So after a little friendly abuse, I decided to go secret skating for a few months. Isn't that interesting, hey? So people gave Sesamora crap. Um, ugh, you guys suck, whoever you are. You, How wrong you were. I found a couple of ramps and no one would skate in the middle of the day, one being Heffron Park Ramp and another at Waterloo, both small ramps around nine foot, metal, slippery, rusty. And the Heffron one had a sharp vert, which made it deadly. But in this period, I learnt and practised and fell and got creative, tried making up new airs, learnt front flips out onto the platform and sometimes would land on the coping by accident and go back in. I had my photographer friends take pics so I could see what the different airs look like and just keep skating and creating in my own little world. After a few months, I went back to Bondi and I was a different skater. Got a little more respect and then started learning spins and took off from there. It was a wonderful time in my development because I didn't know what I was doing or what I was capable of or what the rest of the world was doing. It was exciting and I was still playing soccer so I had to make a decision on what path I wanted to take. A bad coach helped my decision and I went to America to skate the X Games in yellow skates and you know the rest. I always try to break the mould, be different, make my own lane and grow. Sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't but you have to fail to move forward and learn. I love these picks. I have a ponytail, a flyaway helmet, Cosmo wheels, roaches, skates, hockey mask and a torn shirt. Um... Like I said, you live, you learn, and you change, hopefully for the better. I had a lot of fun. The beginnings are always the best. Uh, yeah. Shaka sign. That suddenly popped into my head. The shaka sign is what I, what I was thinking of before. The thumb and the, the finger, you know, like the surfy sign, the Hawaiian hang loose sort of sign. <laughs> that just suddenly popped into my head. Um, anyway, uh, so this is one of the things I want to talk to Cessa about, is what made Australian skaters play such a big part in the early rollerblading development particularly and and this sense of isolation has got to be part of it this rugged determined isolation has got to be one of the factors i think that comes out there um 
then we've got a 1993-94 leg spread hockey mask air to fakie at the Waterloo ramp, and that's just its a ridiculous air and should never have happened and will never happen again. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's just so stupid. Um, <laughs> and then there's a no-name air grab um, at the Heffron Park ramp image as well, but it's the same article. Um, cool. Um, all right, more shoes, a picture of a moose, jacket, some music album covers, some really cool funky bowls. Um, uh, yeah. Nothing really interesting on those. That's just a comment about the funky bowls. Cool. And then we get some 90s images, Sesamora 95, Nis winner, Boss Speed Bearings ad. <laughs> Such a 90s... <laughs> <laughs> advert the, the graphics the the scribbling around the outside it's just so wrong so this is from july 26 boss bearings are the only bearings i've ever used and was sponsored by them the whole time i skated professionally top bearings i used to use swiss abec 5 and ceramic ones new bearing bearings mixed with fr wheels and i was out of control literally i made the mistake of changing to new wheels and bearings at a contest and i was out of control and fell so i never did that again Boss was owned by Hyper Wheels, and I was the only rider they allowed to be sponsored by Boss and not by Hyper. I told them from day one that I would ride FR, and they respected that. Although they did persist, they offered payments in my own pro wheel. In 95, when I was staying in Venice and Huntington Beaches, Hyper Wheels would send out their rep in a nice black Mercedes every Wednesday to take me out to a nice lunch wherever I wanted, even when I clearly let them know I wasn't interested. After a while, the rep and I became friends and we would just talk about stuff and he wouldn't bother me too much about Hyper and just kept providing me with boss bearings. I think his name was Phil, Asian guy, cool guy, who later ended up working for Diamondback Bikes and would come to say hi if I ever skated a contest around California. They always paid on time and were good to deal with. I never had an issue with them. I still have them on my skates to this day. Moral of the story is be good to your sponsor and your sponsor will take care of you. If they're taking advantages of you, then move on. Try to stay true to brands you actually like and don't jump sponsors every other month. Loyalty goes a long way, but it also has to be a two-way street. Wow, isn't that awesome? Such an insight into that world. Um, just such detail and just good, good business sense advice as well. So that's that's really cool. Um, and then another ad, turn the beast loose, upgrade your skates with grizzly bear replacement parts from hockey to speed to aggro. The Greer's rules with the toughest hassle-free wheels, bearing spaces, grind plates and lubricants. See your dealer. Demand Grizzly. <laughs> and so he writes here, this is an ad in a newspaper for Grizzly bearings. I never heard of them until this ad. They basically stole my photo from another ad of one of my sponsors. They photoshopped the sponsors on the front of my helmet without telling me or asking my permission. They just used it to promote their SH product. Boss Bearings called me up straight away and asked if I knew anything about it. I said no. They said we thought so. We'll contact them and sort it out. Got sorted out and some compensation was paid. This happened to me quite a few times by shifty photographers and companies using my image to promote their product that I had nothing to do with. This was the whole set of school books and diaries. There were cards you can still find on eBay, signed pics of me for sale. Can't even imagine the lawsuits Tony Hawk would have to go through with all his businesses and things he's involved in. <laughs> yeah um, and then another ad this is a picture of placements the final standings on vert it um, uh, it, um, 
Sesamora number one. And that's a, uh, an ASA photo. And he writes about this image. Uh, this sponsor was only for a year, but it was a good one. Casio G-Shock. Well, there you go. Casio G-Shock. Um, at the start of the ASA 95 tour, Casio watches decided to sponsor two athletes, one street and one vert. Ryan Jacklone was the street skater and I was the vert skater. I can't even remember how they came to that conclusion, but they must have had a crystal ball because I ended up winning the vert tour. And Ryan won the street tour for that year. With every win, they gave us $500 bonus, and every stop, they gave us watches, which my friends were happy about. (laughs) They all ended up with watches. They were nice guys, and I promoted them at every stop with the big red G stickers. It was all over ESPN, and they were happy with both of us and the coverage we gave them. Win-win. That's how I like to do deals with sponsors, making sure we both win. If I knew how much G-Shocks were going to cost in the future, I would have kept some. So there you go. So in Chicago that year, he came second on vert. Um, and Renee Holgreen came first in Long Beach. He came first and Aiden Kramer came second. Now in New York, he came second and Manuel Bidaliris came first. Um, and then so his final standings was he came first, Manuel Bidaliris came second, Aiden Kramer third, Tim Ward fourth. Man, you just these Australians, so many Australians back there, right? Cessa, um, Manuel, Tim, you know, it's... Um, really Tom Fry. Um, yeah, really interesting. Um, how are you going with this? It's, it's, I, I find it's fascinating, right? And I, surely there's better ways to do this. But um, here we go again. This is now from July 29. Um, skate hard but safe. Wear a helmet and make sure make your head doesn't get too big for it. Uh, three different near mutes from back in 95. Uh, this was an interview I did for Four in a Row magazine from Australia, created and run by Jamie Driver and his partner in crime. So these are mute airs, but tweaked right back, so they're kind of becoming method airs in each of the pictures on this row. Great magazine. This near mute was probably at Bondi Beach, judging by the sky, and definitely taken by Martin Lockman, my partner in crime. You can tell it was in Australia. I had no helmet and no shirt. In America, they wouldn't let me step foot on the vert if my helmet wasn't on my head. I used to have a couple of sayings for when journalists would interview me because they would always ask one of them, uh, one, uh, one of the sayings was, be original, break the mould. Don't copy and buy other people's tricks. And another saying was, make sure your head doesn't get too big for your helmet. Stay humble, grounded. And one they didn't go too well was, be the farter, not the fart catcher. Meaning don't be a follower, be a leader and create your own lane. I said that once to one of the ESPN ladies, and her face was priceless. Ha ha. So there you go, three words of wisdom from the Yoda Sesamora. Um, be original, break the mould. Make sure your head doesn't get too big for your helmet. And be the farter, not the fart catcher. Um, and then here's another near mute air. This one was my most endearing moments in skating. It was shot at Venice Beach in 95 Miss Finals. Before I went to America, I saw videos of Chris Edwards skating to pink music at Venice Beach with the sun and crowds and palm trees. That's a punk music, it must have meant. Skating to punk music, not pink music. That's what I wanted to experience after I skated. Uh, that's what I wanted to experience. And after, I just beat out Eric Burke in the final. I just skated off for 15 minutes and sat under a palm tree and had a massive sense of relief. It was the last stop, the last context, the last championship for a long first year on tour. I felt that everything led to this point. If I tripped up, I would have lost. So I had to be on my game and see it through. It was an amazing feeling of accomplishment. So after I took a moment to breathe, 
I went back to the masses and did two hours of interviews and photos and TV. Got up at 5am the next morning to do Good Morning America. I was sore, tired, but it didn't matter. Venice Beach and first year on tour will always have a precious place in my heart for what I achieved, for the people I met, the experience I had, and the history I don't even know I was creating. This photo just typified the time, and also was before I was doing the near-mutes arched straight over. I did them to the side here. Um, and then here's one photo by Matt Lockman at Bondi from Daily Bread, I think this is. Um, ah, okay, this is my first ever photo in Daily Bread magazine. It was the Belvedere section of the mag, kind of like their photo gallery section. I was beyond happy when I saw it. The photo was taken at Bondi Beach by master photographer Martin Lockman. Great memories, no helmet or shirt. Just skating free and not apologising for it. Such a good photo. Um, cool. How are you travelling? How long have I been doing this for? Um, let's see. 24 minutes. <laughs> um, we're we're get, getting there, right? A few more content. Here we go. Some rocket airs and things. Uh, introducing Sesamora, this image says. I can't for the life of me remember what magazine this is from. No shirt or helmet. Tongue sticking out. Rocket air at Bondi Beach. I always tried to enjoy myself when skating. I liked having fun with the camera, joking with everyone on the platform. Competitions were always so stressful and serious that when I was sessioning at my local ramp with friends, I just loved being a clown, letting loose and enjoying the session. When you feel happy, you skate better. You're more relaxed. Back in the day, we had personalities in skating in the vids, the magazines. You could see Arlo, Edward, B. Smith, B. Love, B. H. Smith, etc. Not all of them were number one skaters, but they had character and personality. There was a bit of celebrity. I think skating has lost a lot of that over the years. Skating is a form of expression and individualism. If everyone just acts the same, dresses the same, and skates the same, it kind of makes for a boring landscape. Don't be afraid to be yourself, whatever that is. Back yourself and be an individual. Well, that was more of that than I thought. So I think I'll make this part one, and then we'll come back. I think there's about another 11 or so left to do. Um, but gosh, I hope, it, I hope it's interesting to you. It's, it's good stuff. And it'll be great to actually uh, hear it directly as I chat, thrash some of this stuff out with Cessa in person sometime soon, God willing. All right. See you later, guys. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.